Welcome back to Detroit Strange. This podcast. That you're listening to. Right now. I like had the idea of something to say after our intro. Like I was like, that'd be funny. But then I forgot about it. Isn't that great? That's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Insert something funny here. Choose your own adventure. Exactly. You mentioned a news story. I'm curious now. Oh, yes. I would say I have. It's a, a very short news story okay. that I saw and I was like, oh, I want to mention that because this is just, I don't know. I found it interesting. So, yeah, let's share. Basically, did you know that in Michigan there is a giant sequoia tree? Yes. I heard about that up in the UP, right? Yes. In Manistee. And it's actually like it's on a cliff along Lake Michigan at Lake Bluff Bird Sanctuary. Okay. Did you read about it more? No, I just kind of like saw the snippet. Okay, so it's actually one of three. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and the the biggest one of the three, the one we're basically yeah. talking about, was planted in 1949 by Gertrude and Edward Gray. And they uh, basically brought six saplings back from California and three of them survived. Love that. Yeah. We love a Gertrude. That was my grandma's name. It's a great name. Yeah. And... It's actually kind of a big deal. There's a guy named, what's his name? Uh, Dr. Bill Libby. He's like a world-renowned like forestry expert. Uh-huh. And he says it's actually one of the most important trees in the world because it's amazing that they're surviving in this climate. Because yeah. it's not, they're all over it's the world. It's not California but climate. Exactly. Yeah. And so he thinks like if they can survive here, they might be able to survive elsewhere. And they are a very large tree, which is a, you know, very good we like resource. Yeah. yeah. We need oxygen. Absolutely. I appreciate all that oxygen. Yeah, same. And basically, though, he thinks they're surviving because they are close to Lake Michigan. Yeah. You got all that water. Well, no, it's a natural insulation. Oh, yeah. Lake effect. Yeah. Which is interesting because like I'm like, oh, lake effect keeps it cooler in the summer, but it actually keeps it warmer in the winter, too. Yeah. No, because um, water holds it's like to change the temperature of water either takes a lot of heat, but it's because it holds it really well. Okay, I was like, I don't understand that in the article. I didn't go into it. Like it's but I was like. It's basically slower to change the temperature of water than it is air. Oh, that makes sense. So like the the heat stays in the water longer, which is what, yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I feel like we did a whole section of organic chemistry about just the properties of water. (laughs) And like, it's just, that fact just popped out of my brain from somewhere. I mean, I'm glad you knew it. Yeah. It explained a lot to me right now, so I appreciate that. But yeah, this tree in 2016 was 100 feet tall. Which oh is pretty, I mean, the tallest sequoia in the world is 275 feet tall. That's tall. But also probably much older. Yeah. So 100 feet is still pretty substantial. Oh, yeah. It's a tall tree. Yeah. 10 stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my, my that's my little news thing that I was like, oh, that's interesting. I want to share that. Yeah. Love that. Mm-hmm. You, I, had a, you had an, an, I had update an update story. I had an update. For one of my pur- stories. The Purple Gang. Yeah. It's so stupid. And I know you're going to hate it. Oh, no, I'm excited. You see this oh, book right from here? James Bond, a James Bond book. It is. Basically, <laughs> they mentioned the Purple Gang and Diamonds Are Forever. And I was like, ah, I knew it. <laughs> like, they, like, they're talking about like, this crime syndicate that's, like, dealing these, like, conflict diamonds or whatever. And uh-huh. they're like, they have a branch in Detroit and they work with the Purple Gang. I'm like, ah, oh, Ian Fleming got it right. <laughs> You're like, I know who that is. Right. Especially considering this book was written in, like, I think, like, the 50s. do 56. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So not like too far after the rain, just a couple of decades early. Yeah. That's fun. Right? I was like, what a fun local reference in this novel. I love it when 
stuff like that pops up in places that you're not expecting. Right. You're like, oh, I know the thing. Right. I get that. I know. So I was like, <laughs> yes, up in the purple gang, but also another excuse for me to mention James Bond. <laughs> because that's just becoming my brand now. It, I, I don't think becoming. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I, think, I think you're full there. It's great, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, I made cream of mushroom soup this week. Oh, I saw that. You made yes, Red Bulls, for, too. And I, I was did. like, damn. I went all <laughs> that out. That looks good. Yeah, just for some reason on Wednesday, I decided to culinarily pop off, as the kids say. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I made Ina Garten's cream of wild mushroom soup. I bet that's delicious. Oh, it's so good. I have some if you want to try some later. I do now. Okay. Yes. And I still have one bread bowl, which is inconvenient when there's two of us. Mm-hmm. But I figured we should cut it in half. And I was going to say mini bread bowls. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Love it. But it's garlic rosemary bread bowls. Oh. Yeah. That. I went there. Sounds like a damn delight. Right. It's soup season. It's crock pot season. And I am here for it. Mm-hmm. Cozy, cozy, cozy. Yes. I cooked absolutely nothing this week. Fair. It did have some of those like bagged salad kits. So if that counts as cooking, mixing sure. them together, then I did that. I mean, if we'll count HelloFresh, we can count that. Or Blue Apron. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's true. I mean... I think our lives have both changed. Yeah. Very recently. We're both oh, in yeah. new jobs, which is funny yeah. timing that we're both. Yeah. Both starting new jobs and yeah. also like the Ants in the Hall show, which I think it's the first time we've mentioned they have a name now. Yeah. If you are in the Detroit, Metro Detroit area, we've got a starting fun, in December yeah. on Thursdays at Planet Ant. We've got a, a stage show with yeah. an awesome group of people, a group of lovely people. You really know, got a good cast going. Yeah. I was excited in the, to see that people I already knew in the, in the group, but I'm also really excited about meeting the new people in it. Not new not new to life, but new to me. <laughs> yeah, because, like, I don't know. Because they're awesome. Right. Because, yeah. yeah, I feel like whenever I meet new people through, like, an event at the end, it's like, oh, that's how we met, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so it's usually, like, good people. Yeah. Now that we've met more times, it's really starting to kind of formulate We're, into a group. Yeah. You know, like, I, I feel We're camaraderie. With yes. everybody, and it's it's becoming a lot of fun. Yeah. So watch for that if you're around. Yeah. It'd be amazing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very excited about the show. It's coming together quite nicely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very star centric for both of us right now because you are you're finishing tech for a show tonight. Yeah. Which I saw last night and is it's a solid show. Awesome. I really like. Yeah. It. No, it was great. I I went with roommate Lisa. We talked about it for quite a while afterwards. Kind of going through, you know. Like, there are some really poignant sketches in there. Yeah. And I have a show coming up in a few weeks. Yeah. I'm excited, I'm excited to see it. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Not a Planet Ant show, but a TV show that I just got into recently that I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with now is Legendary. Have you heard of it? I have not. It's on HBO Max and it's okay. like ballroom reality competition show, but not like ballroom, like waltzing a ship, but like, like. 80s gay ballroom, like voguing. And oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like serving face, serving body, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They've like kind of modernized it a bit and kind of brought it to like a, you know, HBO money budget. Interesting. Yeah. And it's just like so cool because it's like a very queer art form. And just like every week there's a different theme. They meet with a professional costumer to get costumes made. They like meet with a choreographer just to like amp up their performances. Mm-hmm. And so each week's just like a different, so like, it's a, like a reality show. Yeah, a reality okay. competition. So like there's 10 okay. houses, which is like a team. Yeah. Um, I know what a house is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so like 
And each house has a house mother or a house father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the house of yeah, the house blank. Of, yeah, like in this first season, there was like the house of gorgeous Gucci, the house of Balmain, the house of Lampan. Mm-hmm. They all have fun names. And then like they just, I don't know, because it's just what's so great about it. Like I said, it's a very clear art form and mm-hmm. it's all about celebrating who you are mm-hmm. as a person. And just like, and one of the promos, I think said someone said it best of like, we're taking what the world doesn't like about us and throwing it back in their face. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And just like, even like they have a category that's body and it's not about any particular body shape. It's mm-hmm. just about being comfortable in your own skin. Okay. Like, so the whole, like it's like showing off your body. Yes. But it's also mm-hmm. like, this is how I fucking look. And isn't that amazing? It's yeah. Not like I'm so fit or whatever. It's like, this is who I am fucking. I'm serving it to you. Which is a lesson. Basically everybody can learn. Yeah. No should learn. Yeah. And same with face. It's just like, you know, uh, this is my face. Look at my face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like all the constructs of like what is like good looking or whatever. Yeah. It's all cons- constructed. Like it's none of it's real. Right. It's well, it's like it goes back to the origin of ballroom scene of like it, like it was started by like people of color, queer people of color back in like the or, like the 80s of just like. They didn't have a place in society, so they made their own place. Yeah. And like a lot of it was showing off like opulence and just kind of things that mm-hmm. like emulating the things that they thought they couldn't achieve on their own kind of thing. Or just like we're making this for ourselves kind of thing. Yeah. So it's great. Show. Megan Lee Stallion is a judge on it as, oh. well, as well as Jamila Jamil. I don't know who that is. A good place. You seen The Good Place? She plays. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love her. Right. I mean, not, not, not enough, enough to, to remember know her, her name, name but. You no, know what I though? It. I do. I've, I know her name. I just, I don't have it at the ready. Right. Yeah. And just like she, like she's not who you think of when you think ballroom. No. But no. she's a good I was, judge. I thought it was another, honestly, like music. Yeah. Person. Because that was a very music name, Jamila Jamil. Yeah. And I'm not the most hip. Yeah. With the music scene always. So. Yeah. I've also decided I just love Megan the Stallion. That's fair. Yeah. Aren't you supposed to say the? That's what I've been like. I'm I'm this is I'm literally just curious because again, not the coolest person. I think it, like it's spelled the, but I think it's just pronounced the. Cause like oh. I've been re- realizing this lately. I think people just say the. Okay. That's yeah. fine too. I think either is fine, but like mm-hmm. I don't know. I've started hearing people say the or like Hot Girl Meg. Okay. Hot Girl Meg's not a good one too. Or Meg the Stallion. <laughs> it sounds like a fun show though. Yeah. Oh no, it's fabulous. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I watched a new show this week. What was it? Uh, sex Education. Okay, I've heard of it. Yeah. it's. I've watched Trixie and Katya watch it. Okay. I don't know. It's a very, like, sex positive kind of show. Yeah. I mean, it's literally called Sex Education. Yeah. But it's very interesting. But there's also, like, a lot of, like, storyline to it and, you know, character yeah. situations and things like that. So I definitely binged a lot of it. Yeah. And by that, I mean I binged all of it very recently. Good. Yeah. It was, it's really like well-made. Also, it's yeah. British. I mean, sometimes you, gotta love you just need things. to watch something British. I mean, I've been watching Bake Off most recent season. I've watched some of it. I'm, I think I'm one to two episodes behind right now. It is weird because it comes out on a Friday and that's a weird day. See, I don't even know when it comes out. So I just have Friday. to like stumble on it. But then it always says new episodes available because I, there's old seasons I haven't watched. Yeah. So I don't, I get confused. Yeah. 
And then I just don't watch it for a few weeks because I'm like, well, last time it took me to season eight episode right. three because you know how it like auto plays yeah. old ones afterwards. And- yeah, I hate that because it's like you finish the most recent episode and it just throws you back somewhere. Yeah. And then it's all messed up. Yeah. It's all messed up for me. I'm like, if I wanted to do that, I would go back to episode list. Right. And choose for my damn self. No, I'd be like, figure out my weekly schedule of like Wednesdays is when the new uh, comes out. Mm-hmm. Thursdays is Drag Race UK and Drag Race Canada. And then Friday is Bake Off. Interesting. Yeah. I, Monday and Tuesday. I suck. have no consistent anything that I'm watching right now, which is probably good. I've gotten a lot busier. So yeah, it's probably best for me not to. Although I wouldn't mind like a weekly release show because I think that would be kind of nice like to have like yeah. my little treat. And that way I'm not. That's why I'm kind of not mad. There's like 17 versions of Drag Race now. Because <laughs> there's always one happening. Yeah. So it's like there's regular US, there's All Stars, there's UK, there's Canada, there's Down Under. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones I watch. I do kind of want to start watching Espana and Italia. It's just like sometimes just I can't do subtitles. It's a lot of concentration because you're double. And especially because yeah. drag is so visual. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Like you have yeah. to like take it all in and then you're also reading on top of that. Right. I just want to watch Espana so bad because there's a queen named the Macarena and I love that. I'm sorry they don't just do a dubbed over version just because of that. I mean, like. Dubs are distracting too in a certain yeah. way, and I prefer subtitles generally. Same, but I don't know. Sometimes they have their place, I guess. Yeah, I think it for me. I appreciate a dub more when it's like an animated show, because then it's not okay. as distracting because it's just like a voice coming out of a mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like dubs. I don't prefer it for sure. I watched that show. This is years ago, but the show Dark. I had never heard of it. It's a very interesting uh show it's it's got some like paranormally esque aspects it. to it but i think i believe it came from germany did you ever watch fringe Mm-mm. i feel like you would like fringe okay i've never heard of it it was like, it's like kind of like i think it was either on sci-fi or something like sci-fi the tv network mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like pseudoscience kind of parent like Kind of sciencey, kind of paranormal, mm-hmm. and just kind of the misadventures of that. Okay, interesting. I got really into it for a little bit and watched binge like a couple of seasons and didn't finish it though. Okay, I think it was in college, and so like, I'll 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 look into that. Yeah. Um, there was something. Oh, we have homework. Yes, we do. Scaring is sharing. Gave us some homework. We were listening to their most recent episode, and they're talking about the movie Mandy, yeah. which neither of us have seen. Mm-hmm. But after looking it up, I'm very intrigued. Yeah. Like psychedelic psychological horror produced by Elijah Wood starring Nicolas Cage. But Already sign sold. me up. Yeah, sold. <laughs> so we'll have to watch that yeah. soon. So we will do that homework. But for now, are you ready for a story? I would love a story, especially because I know you're excited. I am excited because like it's one of those topics where I'm like, I can't believe we haven't done that yet. Yeah. It's because I think I fell down a rabbit hole on YouTube of just watching the rise and fall of a lot of department stores. Okay. And well, like I watched it about like Montgomery Ward. I watched uh-huh. it about Sears. Uh-huh. And I was like, where's Hudson's? Uh-huh. I want a Hudson's. Uh-huh. So I was like, I'll be the change I want to see in the world. And so I did Hudson's this week. I adore that. Right? Yeah. It's like interesting history. So I'll just dive right into mm-hmm. it. If you don't know, it was a department store chain based out of Detroit, more formally known as the JL Hudson Company. Mm-hmm. It was founded in 1881 by Joseph Lothian. Yep. Yep. Joseph Lothian Hudson. He was an Englishman who came to Detroit through Canada. 
and he would become one of the city's most successful businessmen. Okay. And also a philanthropist. He founded the Detroit Associated Charities that would pave the way for the United Way Foundation later on. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of it about him. I guess before him and his father had a chain. I didn't write this down, so this is coming off the top of my head. But he and his father had a chain of stores in the Ionia area that, mm-hmm. like, they ended up kind of defaulting on. And basically, they only paid 60 cents on the dollar of what they owed. Oh. Then once, yeah. But then once Hudson started to take off, he paid back in full. And they were, like, dope. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So he made good. So... Technically, it wasn't his first store, Hudson's, but he started his store on his own. And mm-hmm. the first location was actually in the old Detroit Opera House. Oh. Yeah. If you like, I didn't realize it, but I went back and looked at a picture of like the original Opera House and like right above the doors, it says like JL Hudson's Clothier. Is it the same Opera House as today? No. Oh, okay. This was the one that burned down, I think. Oh, yes. I have. Like the read 1800s about that. Okay. one. Yeah. yeah. So the focus of his original store was on men's and boys' clothing. So those mm. were the two, first two departments. Yeah. Only men and boys get clothes. Yeah. I guess those stores were, like, more specific. Right. Like this, They weren't department stores. They were stores. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like, you kind of had to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And even at the beginning, because, like, one thing that Hudson's was known for was their, like, liberal return policy. Like, they were the Costco before Costco was Costco. You know what I mean? Or <laughs> Sam's Club. Whichever one will take back fucking anything. I think it's Sam's Club, actually. Is it? I would go with Aldi or Trader Joe's for those examples. Well, see, the only re- I think it was Sam's Club, I remember, because I was going with a friend who had a box spring that she used for at least a summer and also mm-hmm. broke and was still able re- to return it to Sam's Club. You can do that at REI for a year. Really? Yeah. Anything you get at REI, you can uh, take back within a year. Interesting. Yeah. You might have to be part of their their program, like their membership program. Whatever. Yeah, but it's... It's not a lot. I'm I have an REI yeah. membership card, but I don't I don't think you do. But yeah, it's like a really, really good like. Yeah. You just have to remember to take it back. <laughs> yeah. And like they were like, so that's kind of like they were like known for their customer favored return policy. And they kind of attributed it. They attributed their customer loyalty to it because okay. customer okay. like they like. At one point, they were making like 175 million in the early 1900s, mm-hmm. and 25 million was going back in returns. Okay, I do want to point out though, because I mentioned Trader Joe's and Aldi, and they have really good return policies too. Mm. I just learned the other day that Aldi has like, you can bring something back that you didn't like; they'll give you your money back, and then also let you have another item to replace it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and Trader Joe's, I'm pretty sure you can just bring anything back. They also have a buy before or try before you buy policy if, that if it's a tryable, you know, thing in the store, yeah. they'll open it for you in the store and you can try it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, did not know that. I've never done either of these things. I've just heard rumor of them. So like, kind of like the Starbucks secret menu kind of thing, where like it might exist. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, it's like it's really cool to know those things, but I think you have to have some balls to actually like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Test it out, but it is. I yeah. would believe it. Yeah. Oh, I would too. So, yeah. yeah. But I've never tried it, so I'm not. Yeah. It's this a is room, not from personal experience. Slide them DMs, if you know, from personal experience. Right, us write us about it. Right. Would love to hear a story about that. Right. Anyway, sorry. Yes, no, you're good. So in 1891, he would incorporate to become the J.L. Hudson Company. Uh, this would also be when he opened his first standalone store at Gratiot and Farmer. On the city block that would eventually become the site of the brand's flagship department store that would take up the entire city block. 
1909, JL Hudson would invest in a new automobile company that in turn like used Hudson as their namesake. So it became the Hudson Motor Car Company. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it didn't like everybody's getting them to motor cars. Right. So like I don't think he really had much involvement other than like giving like investment capital at the beginning. Yeah. But like again, they named the company after him. And that's a win-win because it's like a developed or a known name. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. And I guess by like 1929, they were the third largest car manufacturer behind Ford and Chevy. Interesting. I feel like actually when I was talking about one of the car episodes that yeah. came up. Hudson's, yeah. And kind of being like, is it? But then not, you know, going yeah. down not that road. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the cars would be made until, yeah, the cars would be made in Detroit until the 50s when the brand was discontinued. Okay. Because it eventually, I think, became part of Chevy. Not Chevy, uh, Chrysler. It got bought out by a bigger. Yeah. It, like, I think it went from, like, Hudson. Oh, I have this the next line. I could, if I ever kept writing. Oh, I do reading. that all the time. <laughs> this eventually became part of American Motors Corporation and then Chrysler. Okay. But the Hudson brand was around to the 50s until it was discontinued. Okay. In 1911, the first part of the JL Hudson building opened downtown of like the the one every the yeah. big one everyone knew. Yeah, the one you head downtown to go to. Right. You put on your Sunday best, you head downtown and go to the Hudsons. I mean, given the sound of the store, yes, that's the very much the vibe. Mm-hmm. It was designed by Smith, Hitchman, and Grills. What a combo of names. I know. And the building would be built in a total of 12 waves ending in 1946 when they were like, okay, we're done. We're actually done now. But 12 phases. That's a lot of phases. Yeah. The original 1891 structure was demolished in 1923 to make room for the new bits. Okay. The structure was approximately 33 levels, including five basements, a mezzanine, 25 floors above ground, and a 400 tall 400 foot tall tower on the Farmer Street side. Wow. 17 floors of retail. That's a 17 lot floors. Of Divided up into 200 departments at the peak. I'm like, how do you even have 200 departments? That's overwhelming. Right? Like, because like when I think of department, I'm like, oh, there's men's clothing, there's women's clothing, mm-hmm. there's shoes. I'm like, at that point, it's like fucking paper clips in their own department. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I. I could probably come up with like 15 to 20 departments if I really had to like put my brain to it. But yeah, I can't imagine. 200. Yeah. Yeah. The building was designed the uh, architectural style of the Chicago school style. Okay. I'm not super familiar with that one, so I won't talk anymore (laughs) on it. But um, the final structure was over 2 million square feet. Holy shit. Yeah. And they were the second largest department store after the Macy's and Herald Square in New York. Okay. Yeah. And they would also hold the title of tallest department store until 1961 when the title was taken. I could not find by who. Oh. But for the while, for a long time, they were the tallest department store. Okay. Uh, the main exterior was covered in pink granite panels. The rest of the facade over the second floor was red brick. There were terracotta cornices and rosettes decorated the building along with ironwork. And in the windows on the floors, three through five in the mezzanine had... They were frosted with uh, JLH ovals. Oh, fancy. Yeah. There were 51 passenger elevators, 17 freight elevators, the largest of which could hold a semi-trailer, eight employee elevators, and 48 escalators. Wow. Yeah. This building had it all. 
It's like a labyrinth or like a, yeah. not a labyrinth, like an MC Usher uh, drawing oh, yeah. in my head right now. Trying yeah. to imagine it. Um, the building had three transformers and there was en- enough electricity being generated to for a city of 20,000. Like, I think they said Ipsy could be powered by this building. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They had 705 bidding rooms, which set a world record. That's a lot. Yeah. There was a, one, one of the women's bathrooms had 85 stalls. Oh, my gosh. That's too many. That's so many stalls. Right? There is a gas station chain down south, though, that I think has 100 and something stalls. That's insane. Yeah. They're called Bucky's. They're amazing when... Bucky's went has to the bathrooms, Bucky's, apparently. I, I think it's like a slogan, too. I don't remember because... Bucky's got them shitters. <laughs> but yeah, it's like over 100 stalls or something. Like That's completely crazy. ridiculous. I know they... Well, they have like... And they have like 70-something like pumps or something ridiculous, too. That's a, like... Okay, I mean... I'm making these numbers up, but I know they were both a lot. Right. That's just like a... Yeah. I can't imagine, but no. like... Uh, I guess good for them. Pop off, sis. Mm-hmm. All those things. Um. How long would it take to walk to the last stall in an 85-stall bathroom? Especially back then. Even if there's, like, one of those ones where it splits and there's, like, so there's two with, like, two, you know, one Across on each side. You're still talking, like, 20 stalls deep. 40. If you're going. No, 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 because you can have two on each side. So it's, like, you go to the left side and then there's ones on your left and your right. You go to the right side and there's ones on the left and the right. Oh, where there's like the sinks, four rows, yeah, or yeah. the wall, a wall in between the sinks or something. Oh, else. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah still a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a math podcast. No, not at all. Not a bathroom style. Not a bathroom architecture podcast. No, not quite yet. Uh, there were seven dining rooms and cafeteria. I think there were like five dining rooms, two cafeterias. Because I kept seeing number five for dining rooms, but okay, seven total. They could serve about ten thousand meals a day. Wow, yeah. those kitchens must have been huge then too. Oh yeah. So that's kind of like about the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1912, J.L. Hudson would pass away. So he didn't get to see this building, it sounds like. No. Uh, but his four nephews would take control since J.L. had not married or had any children. Okay. And he supposedly was engaged at the time of his death, but didn't, you know, seal the deal. No. Yeah. But they just kept growing. And in 1924, they hosted their first Thanksgiving Day parade. Mm-hmm. Which is technically before Macy's, because Macy's had their first parade also in 1924, but they had a Christmas, not Thanksgiving. Yeah. So we were the original. Suck it. I mean, I I feel like I've actually heard that before. Yeah. I mean, the, the Thanksgiving Day Parade here is kind of deal. a lot of fun. Yeah. I'd never been. But I, I cool. Well, I used to have to work when I was working in restaurants. That was yeah. a, big, a big day for us. So like, but I actually I used to wake up. Go to the turkey trot. Okay. Which is like one of the biggest. Yeah. Five Ks, right? Uh, Five or 10. I always did the 10. Okay. Yeah. Not fast, but I always did the 10. Yeah. And I did that like four or five years in a row. I, I should start doing that again. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Uh, and then I would have to go to work right after that. Uh-huh. And I usually would ride my bike because there's no way I was driving. Oh, yeah. Between the two. And so I'd get to kind of see pockets of the parade here and there. And yeah. then... It's cool. I mean, it's 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 neat that the city does it. Yeah. Uh, and actually, too, where I used to work the night before, because it's kind of by the new center area, they and it's right off of Woodward, they would line up all the floats down that street. Like, they'd close them off and line them up uh-huh. to start going down the street from there. Yeah. So I would get a, a preview of the floats the night before at work. 
That's for fun. a few years. Yeah, that was neat. I don't love parades, but I would at least like to see that one. I'm not like a big parade person. I I think it's an experience. But the, I mean, is anyone really a big parade person? I wonder. Like, I don't know. There's people who get chairs and like go and like sit and like tailgate yeah. and like all that kind of stuff. I did go to the Macy's parade once too, actually. Okay. Because I had a friend who was turning 30 and she had like a, a bucket list birthday where she was basically like, I'm going to go to New York City and see the, the yeah, she was turning 30 on Thanksgiving. Her birthday was like okay. towards the end of November. So I guess the parade is on Thanksgiving in New York now, too. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. It was just like the just first the, year. Okay. okay. Uh, and she really wanted to see the parade. It's one of the bucket list items. Okay. So we went to it. It was insane. Yeah. It will never go again. Oh, absolutely not. That reminds me when I did, went to the ball drop mm -hmm. at Times Square. Yeah, and like, I can imagine. That's we basically got off the subway, saw how crowded it was, went to pee at the McDonald's there and then left. Yeah. Because I'm like, nah, -uh. no, I mean. Would never do it again. Again. Unless it was like I knew somebody who had an apartment that you could the, see it from. Yes, that, that is the I could ideal stay situation. the night before and we just just like glance at it out of the balcony while I'm have drinking. six crock yeah. pots of dip ready to go. And that's Absolutely. the day. Absolutely. A bottle of wine. Like then I'm there. But besides yeah. that, no. I don't know why that bottle of wine comment Ryan to me that friends episode where they were shocked they went through two bottles of wine between six people. And I'm like, yeah, girl. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, like it's, like it's it's an okay amount for six people, but that's not a. That's like barely amount. a glass per person. I feel like, depending on the pours. I guess. Yeah, I was gonna say depends on how you pour it. My pours is about a glass. Well, this is a, a home pour. Yeah, it's barely a glass a person. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back so, Detroit did it first to the parades. That's fine. Yeah, they also held the record for largest American flag. Or it says largest flag, but it was an American flag. I don't know if it was largest flag or largest American flag, but okay, it's a big old flag. It's a big old flag. It's, it's a, a big, big flag. flag. <laughs> uh, and it was first unveiled in 1923 for Armistice Day, which I guess is coming up, and would be used for other patriotic holidays. Mm -hmm. The flag was 3,700 square feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's big a, flag. This is a big old flag. Yeah. It was displayed at the 1939 World's Fair. And uh, the last year it would be used would be 1949. When it was replaced by an even bigger flag that was seven stories. Replaced by an even bigger flag that was seven stories tall. Yowzas. Yeah. It required a mile of rope and took 55 men to hang. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The flag was hung for the last time for the bicentennial in 1976. And then it was given to the Smithsonian, who in turn gave it to the American Flag Foundation in Houston. I'm guessing it is today. Probably. Yeah. What an interesting thing, though, of somebody one day being like, you know what we need to do? Like a really big flag. Big, big flag. I guess I'm glad it's not like a, the world's largest ball of yarn or some bullshit like that. At least yeah. it's like some, like, I don't say useful, but like relevant, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know how I feel about world's largest things in flyover states. I mean, have you been to the one in Illinois? Is it the ball, biggest ball of yarn? It's not the biggest ball of yarn, but there's the biggest rocking chair, the biggest wind chime, the biggest clog, the biggest pencil. It's like 12 different, the biggest things. Uh -huh. And it's like, it's, it's a road trip stop. It's not a, yeah. like you go there. Um, we stopped on our road trip. There. Yeah. I've already been there once. So this was my second one, but at least I hadn't been there. And it's literally like seven minutes off of the route. Yeah. So because if it was any longer, nobody would fucking stop. Yeah. I think it's 
now I forget the name of the city, but yeah, it's like you, and you can walk to most of them. There's only two of them. You have to drive through, you know, yeah. two from downtown. That's of the world's largest mailbox, which actually has like a post thing in it. So yeah. you, you can mail stuff from it. Uh, there's like two coffee shops in the town and like, I mean, it's just this tiny, tiny little yeah. blip of a town. And that's their thing is it's the biggest. It's better. I saw the biggest rocking chair being made actually. Oh, so actually, no, this was my third time there. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I, I was like, I think I already mentioned this on the show, but like the biggest thing that I saw was when I was driving from like Las Vegas to Southern California we mm-hmm. stopped at this random ass town that had the tallest digital thermometer. And I was like, <laughs> what is that? Like, so you put a, like, that's just a screen. That's mm-hmm. a screen at the top of a post. Like, don't fucking act like that's impressive. <laughs> so salty. Oh, but did you stop at the dinosaur park where you can sit in a dinosaur head? No, I didn't. We didn't pass that. I don't think. Kabat, Kabat, because it starts with a C, something dinosaurs. Okay. No, I didn't see that. Anyway, back to Hudson's. Yes. In the YouTube video, The History of Hudson's Department Store by user Jartitech, um, they mentioned that the Hudson's switchboard for calls was second only to the Pentagon. Wow. Yeah. Like, they were dealing with a lot of calls. Yeah, apparently. that's insane. Yeah. Which, thank God we don't do switchboards anymore. That sounds exhausting. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. Like, I think about how I don't understand technology today. And then I think about what it used to be. And I'm like, well, at least we're not having people, like, plugging things in and out. Manually. Yeah. yeah. Being part of the process. Right. Uh, so now we're going to jump to the 50s. In 1953, it was reported that Hudson's had about 12,000 employees. In 1954, it was reported that Hudson's was doing about $163 million in sales or about $1.28 billion today. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Also, in 1954, they would open their first uh, satellite store at the Northland Center in Southfield. It was one of the anchor tenants of the mall. Okay, yeah, yeah. Which, after watching so many of these defunct um, department store things, I know that an anchor tenant means one of the big stores in the mall. I've heard that before. Yeah. I. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> but I've I have heard that term. Yeah. I grew oh. up near a very large mall. Which one? Tall Oaks. Same. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had to yeah, different directions, but yeah. Yeah. I was closer to Westland, but I preferred Twelve Oaks. Which again, fun fact, I've already mentioned it, but Westland was named after Westland Mall. Yes, yeah, and we did talk about that. Yeah. Which I when I was doing research for this, there's a Northland Center an Eastland Center, and a Westland Center. Oh, okay. That makes sense then. Yeah. Uh, but the Northland Center was first, Isn't and it was the Southland biggest of its time. I don't know. I don't know her. I might be making it up. That's kind of what I was wondering, too. I'm like, is there a Southland? But mm. Southland Mall. Like, that sounds like a thing in my head that I've right? heard. But Northland was apparently the biggest mall of its kind at the time. And like I said, they soon opened uh, satellite stores at Eastland Center and Westland Center. Mm-hmm. In 1960, they would hire their first black bus girl. And I only mention this because maybe you've heard of her. Her name's Diana Ross. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so that's her only claim to fame, obviously, is oh, being a, the first black bus yes. girl at Hudson's. I think she went on to do some, like, Motown stuff. I don't know. Possibly. Right. What's a bus girl, though? Do we know? I'm guessing kind of like a bus boy over the restaurant. Like, you know, like. Oh, okay. Like, okay. 
That's what I'm assuming. Okay. I also did not. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. That's kind of what I was assuming. But yeah, she started working there in high school. And her, she started working there in high school and we haven't heard from her since. <laughs> Obviously false. Yes. Very false. Yes. In 1961, JL's grandnephew would take control of the company at the age of 29. Oh, wow. He had started working, working the docks in the 50s, and he shifted the folk store more towards fashion and special events. Okay. And he would also continue expanding into the suburbs because he kind of saw the trend of, like, people not wanting to come all the way downtown mm-hmm. to go shopping. And also, like, parking is easier in the suburbs, obviously. Yeah. But in 1969, the J.L. Hudson Company was acquired by the Minneapolis-based Dayton Company. Mm -hmm. And the resulting company was called Dayton Hudson Corporation, with J.L. Hudson, like, operating Mm semi-autonomously. This is unfortunately when the headquarters would leave Detroit and set up in Minneapolis. But that's not to say that all of the Hudson staff moved over there. Like, there are still some office people here, but it was obviously a lot less at this point. Well, Minneapolis is like this, the epicenter for like most large scale. And we'll get more to that in the oh, okay, story okay. because like there was something I did not see coming in this story of uh, other retail chains that get involved in this story. Okay. Uh, I do know some chains they were involved that Hudson was involved in. We'll see if you know. That. I know. So by 1978, there were nine satellite stores in the Metro Detroit area, along with a few out of state stores. Unfortunately, like we were talking about, the reason they started building the suburb stores is because people don't want to come downtown. So mm-hmm. people didn't want to come downtown anymore. And so. that was a large ass store. Yeah. So in 1983, the flagship store downtown would close after over 90 years of operation. Mm-hmm. The building was not abandoned at this point yet, though. There were still about 1,200 office workers in the building still. Mm-hmm. The building was sold in 1989 and imploded in 1998. I remember that being a big deal, actually. Yeah. It tailors like, the people mover. Oh, it did? Unintentionally, yeah. Which I was talking about that was with my therapist today because I was talking about the story because uh-huh. I was excited about it. And it was like, it affected all four people who used it. They had to walk the 10 minutes instead of Damn taking it. the paper mover. <laughs> I know. But this wasn't the end of the Hudson brand. Uh, they would continue to operate under the Hudson name until 2000. When the Dayton Hudson Corp decided to change their name to their most successful brand at the time and become the Target Corporation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the one I know. Yeah. And the, fun fact that I worked at Target and I had a discount to Hudson's because of it. Nice. And Mervyn's. Okay. Uh, I haven't heard of Mervyn's. It was like, so it was basically Hudson's was like the fancy store. Target was like the the cheaper store and Mervyn's was kind of in the middle. Okay. And it was fun, funny too because our discount was different at each store. Of course, yeah. Yeah, like Target, we got, I don't know, 15, 20%. Mervyn's was like 10, and Hudson's was like 5 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Of course, you get the small discount of the most expensive store. Oh, exactly. So one year later, they decided to rebrand all the Hudson stores as Marshall Fields. Do you remember when that happened? When all the Hudson's became Marshall Fields overnight kind of thing? No. Yeah. Am I thinking Marshall Fields and I said Mervyn's? <laughs> it could be. I don't Maybe. know. But no, I don't. Oh, no, I do remember that happening because it was weird. Yes, 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 It was really weird. It's because uh, the Dayton Hudson Corp, now Target, had purchased Marshall Fields in the 90s. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, The former Hudson stores would change hands a few more times before eventually ending up under the Macy's chain. Mm -hmm. So the Hudson's name, still owned by Dayton or Target, but Macy's bought the stores, basically. Yeah. I should have mentioned this back, too, but like, 
before they imploded the Hudson store downtown, mm-hmm. they removed a lot of the fixtures and then put like renovated their satellite stores with these fixtures. Like I guess if you go to the Macy's and Oakland Mall in the cosmetics department, there's just like these grand chandeliers that it must like must have came from there. And like I think the one in Somerset has like a copper water fountain from the original store and like some of the mm. elevators were original. Okay. So yeah, you can still see little huts and pieces all around in like, these stores. Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, uh, Target still owns the trademark for both Dayton and Hudson's, which if you go to Dayton's.com or Hudson's.com, they both take you to Target. Okay. Yeah. Which I tested out because I'm like, what? And then it did. Yeah. So, which makes sense because, you know. I wonder how many people are trying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is why it's probably like, because it is kind of weird to go to Hudson's.com and like without explanation just be taken to the Target site. Yeah. So if you didn't know that. But just talking about this site a little bit more, because that's kind of the end of Hudson's as a brand, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Uh, after being demolished in 1998, a two-story underground parking garage was constructed, which with supports for a building to be built on top. Mm-hmm. I'm sure y'all remember that when there was just like the weird steel supports poking out of the ground right there. Mm-hmm. I couldn't exactly find this but i remember hearing it when i worked at compuware that the original plan was compuware was going to build across crash i think that's crash it behind right i think so behind compuware it's either crash it or farmer i'm pretty sure it's crash it though i can see farmer in my head but now i uh I'm so bad at downtown because of the radial design. Yeah. Oh, it's I get nonsense. very confused when I'm thinking about downtown in the street. Like if I'm there, I can navigate or like at least get to where I need to go. Right. But yeah. But yeah. I'm forgetting where Gratiot crosses right now. So I can't do it. Even though I just drove on it yesterday. Right. Well, we're in downtown. Well, the, I guess the original plan was comp where like they were going to build really built obviously. And then expand across and build on top of that parking garage. Okay. But um, I was being a little shady and wrote, um, it never came to fruition because believe it or not, Y2K forever was not a sustainable growth model <laughs> because copyware exploded for Y2K and then we're like, okay, yeah, slowly faded to what they are now. So we so terrified. Yeah. Oh my God. Because it kind of was a big deal in software. Oh no, I understand the reason for it. Yeah. And if obviously we'd be talking about it very differently if it hadn't been okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. But it, it, it's, it is funny to think about the fact that like nobody could really figure out if it was a problem or not. Oh, remember back when like Y2K was our biggest fear mm-hmm. as a society. I remember also figuring out that that's on zippers. Like a metal zipper. Oh yeah. Y2K. Yeah. yeah. I mean like, that's weird. I mean like yeah. no relation, but like that was like, I remember that just being a big thing like in 1999 of like, yeah. And did you know zippers say Y2K too? Yeah. I think, I think I've seen zippers that say Y2K. It was like why. a big company or something. So like yeah. most zippers said it. Yeah. Which just, is just weird. Yeah. So like I said, nothing got built there for a while. And it would just kind of sit there as like the steel beams poking up until the land was bought by Bedrock in 2013. They Naturally. hired the, Yep. They hired the architect firm Shop Architects to come up with a redevelopment plan for the site. The plan includes a building that's going to be 1.4 million square feet, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting that it's smaller than the actual Hudson's building because like it looks so much larger in the pictures they've drawn up. I mean, it, it is 
I think it's huge compared to downtown buildings. Yeah. But like, there's not really, there's tall buildings downtown there, but there's not like hugely tall ones. Yeah. Like really the Ren Sun is the huge tall building. Yeah. In Detroit. It's really like, I guess like the, the main towers, I think goes up to like 60 or 70, I think stories. But yeah. Like I know the office towers like go up to like 40. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like it's, it Detroit isn't a, like a super tall building. Say. Yeah. I mean, this building's going to be tall. Don't get me wrong. Oh, no. I've seen the drawing. They're, it looks cool. I'm excited to see ginormous. what it looks like when it's done. But it's going to be fucking everything. because It's divided up into retail, office space, exhibition space, hotel, residential, and parking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there will be a 62-story tower with a 14-story mid-rise building attached. Okay. So the tower is going to be like a lot of the residential, hotel. Mm-hmm condos etc mm-hmm. and then like the 14 story buildings to be more like the residential or the retail and event space and stuff i think at one point they were aiming to be the tallest building in detroit but now it looks like they'll be second tallest at 680 feet okay the project broke ground in 2017 and is expected to open in 2023 i think they're going to keep the hudson's name so i know right now it's called the hudson site yeah so i mean that'd be cool, that'd be cool. yeah, yeah legacy. shot back yeah the history and so that's kind of the end of my story. Just my real quick before yeah. I forget. My sources are Detroit News, Detroit Free Press, the Hudson site, Detroit.com, HistoricDetroit.org, DetroitHistorical.org, which I love how close those URLs are, mm-hmm. and Wikipedia. Love it. Yeah. I'm glad you did this because I, I know you had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. It is very interesting. And it is something like if you've grown up anywhere around uh, Southeastern like, Michigan... You've heard of Hudson's, even though it hasn't been around for yeah a bit. And like I was talking, like the people I've mentioned this to, everyone has a memory of Hudson. I was just about to ask what your memories of it were. I don't have a ton of memories, but I was talking to my mom about it today because the one we used to go to was the one at Oakland, or Westland Mall. Okay. We both remember there being a large swan outside, the, like a statue of a swan outside of it for some reason. And then... I remember it becoming Marshall Field. My mom remembers she would used to go there with her mom mm-hmm. and they'd get like lunch at the big boy there and then go to the Hudson's and shop. And then when she was in high school, I guess my grandma would give her her credit card with a permission slip, basically like saying, she I give her permission. Yeah, yeah, I can use she can use this to go shopping at Hudson's. Wow. Yeah. That's because my memory is. So back to school shopping would yeah. usually be like one day of my mom and I going shopping. Yeah. And we usually would go eat at Hudson's. Yeah. One of their little things. I'm not sure which mall this is at because when I was really, really little, it would have been Westland. But then we lived near 12 Oaks later on. So I don't know. Yeah. Because I don't know what years and blah, blah, blah. But right. it doesn't matter. But yeah. But no, I remember going. And I also remember there was like an ice cream counter or something at the Hudson's. Uh-huh. And that was like, or a fro- no, it was frozen yogurt. There was a frozen yogurt thing in the Hudson's. And that was always super exciting. And one time. I tried, what's the like, it's not, it's not chocolate, but carob? it's carob. Yes. I tried carob chips for the first time. I've never had it. What are they? They're not that good, but like, that's I, the vibe I've gotten. My mind was blown by them as a child for some reason. Like I had a, a carob chip, like obsession for a while when I was a kid. I don't Interesting. know why, but I thought they, I think it, just cause they were. It was like new. not chocolate, but spo- like, yeah. And I was just like, Wow, this is amazing! It's the, the same but different, you know. Yeah. Kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And because it w- was everywhere, yeah, 
it'd be, yeah, novelty, the novelty of it or something. But yeah. I remember trying carob chips in my frozen yogurt at Hudson's. <laughs> yes. That's my Hudson's, my biggest Hudson's memory. Yeah. See, for some reason, I more remember the soft pretzels we'd get at the mall. Mark. I mean, you know, soft I always stop it. I, I don't, love a soft pretzel. I don't remember having a soft pretzel though until I was like older. Okay. Well, that kind, yeah. at least. Like, the, you know how there's the mall kind and then there's like the kind you bake the baseball game yeah. kind, basically, or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or the street vendor kind, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the, the Sam's Club kind, which are different too. They're soft. Okay. Soft and buttery. Oh, they're good. I've never they're been like, to Sam's like a Club. breadstick. Really? I've been to Costco. I've never been to Sam's Club. I don't know why I'm like, like, really, <laughs> I haven't been to Sam's Club in years. Mm-hmm. I just like, I feel like for a long time it was part of our family's weekly routine. We go to Sam's Club and I'd be like, oh, okay, but at least I get free samples. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I felt the same way about Costco because yeah. there was a Costco near my parents. I remember when it was built, it was like a big deal because there was nothing out near them like uh-huh. that. And then like Costco came in and everybody got a membership and yeah, was excited. And then you have to wait a long time for gas. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I've experienced if that. If I lived recently. near Costco, I would probably have a membership. Yeah, I don't have one. Like, I also just like don't see the point in buying bulk when I live alone because it's like, I mean, oh, I yeah. kind of get it, but like, it's not convenient or like in my way enough to make it worth my time. I well, I don't know because I used for things to, like toilet paper, I guess. But like, I was gonna say I used to go and get things just like toilet paper. There are some things that make sense. It's just yeah. you can't get all the things because it won't make sense. Right. Like the, just like the non-perishables or like dry goods, like the paper plates. Or the, honestly, Costco kind of has good clothing sometimes. You're not wrong. It's her, this jacket. Is it Costco it's original? One of these. It's a. It's Calvin Klein. Ooh. From Costco. <laughs> Calvin Klein for Costco. Because, <laughs> you know, Calvin Klein's very in right now. Yes. <laughs> it, but I I've mean, also had this jacket for like 15 to something years yeah although i got bleach on it at meyer the other day that's a whole other story oh womp, womp. but that was wonderful i'm glad yes. you did that would not have thought of it love that it happened yeah yeah but i also have a two truths and a lie for you if you're yeah. game i don't like if you're game very into it yes no we've only done it every episode but i'm not game right now you know yeah so i had a last minute like Ooh, wait i want to do this instead kind of thing this morning because I am preparing for the sketch show I'm in in a few weeks. Yeah. And one of my characters is a vampire. Love it. And so I've been, and I'll just thinking about vampires. Love it. So this is more specific. It's a little bit about vampires, but it's more specifically about Bran Castle or Bron Castle. I'm not sure exactly how you say it. Have you heard of it? No. So it is a castle in Romania and it is kind of known as... Is it as- B-R-A-N or B-R-A-M? N. N, okay. So if it's a B-R-A-M, that maybe it was the name of Bram Stoker who wrote Dracula. That That is who wrote it. Yes. Uh, his name will be mentioned. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, no. It's just, it's an old. Okay. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. So, but it is, it's in Romania. It's in the Transylvania region. If people go on tours, you will hear about Dracula. You will hear about Vlad the Impaler. Okay. On these tours. So your three quote unquote facts. Okay. Number one, Bram Stoker wrote Dracula after visiting the Bran Castle in Romania. Okay. Number two, the castle was used as a hospital during World War II. Okay. Number three, there is a heart buried deep within the castle walls. 
I'm going to go with number two being the lie because I feel like it was probably World War One. Nope, it was actually used Damn. as a castle in World War II. Uh, a hospital in World War II. Or- used a castle. <laughs> yes, I was like, it's probably been used a castle, yes. everything yeah. other than yeah. World War II. Uh, basically, royalty at the time, Princess Ileana was a qualified nurse, and so she converted it into a hospital. Love that. Yeah. So do you want to hear him again, or do you remember him? I think I remember him. Okay. I want number three to be true so bad, so I'm going to say number one is the lie. Number one is a lie. I read, I read number three wrong initially. Okay. Both lies technically. Okay. I don't know how to do this. Should I just restate? Just go for. Let's just just go into the details. Give me them dirty deeds. (laughs) Okay. So number one is a lie, and we're gonna go through it. Number three, I meant to say there was a heart buried deep. That was the only difference. Okay, it's not there anymore, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. I mean that's pretty. That's fine. Yeah. So Bram Stoker did not write it after visiting this specific castle because he never visited the okay. specific castle. But the description of the actual castle that the villain in Dracula by by him, it's really very similar to the specific one. Okay. There's more likelihood that he modeled after one over near him. Yeah. But even down, it's so specific. There's even a river that like flows in a very specific pathway like underneath the castle interesting and it's the same spot in the book apparently huh yeah he did however do some of his research so he might have heard about it but also who knows i don't know yeah but he might have modeled dracula after real life vlad the impaler or vlad dracula and vlad dracula or vlad the inhaler inhaler vlad the inhaler he did actually stay in the castle for two months but as a prisoner in the 15th century okay so he wasn't actually from the castle and it was actually owned by Transylvanian Saxons who were fighting against him. Okay. Yeah. It may also be possible that Vlad Dracula attacked and overtook the castle several times and trying to take over the Saxons. Yeah. Vlad the Impaler, or I keep using both names because yeah. so many names, went down in history. I didn't know though. his last name was Dracula. It's interesting. Well, it go- and it's one of those things, too, I think, where, like, there's... Only so much history can actually tell yeah. us. Especially um, back in like the 15th century, you know? Yeah. But Dracula actually in the Wallachian or Wallachian, I'm not sure how you say it, language means devil. Okay. And I, he probably did earn that nickname in real life. And part of it is so. Because he's impaling people. I was going to say, you know what brought him to fame, right? Like why we know of Vlad the Impaler today. Yeah. Because he used to take people's, his enemies' heads off, put them on sticks and put them outside of his castle. Didn't he also like figure out a way to impale people where they would live for a long time? Impale like it would take a long time for them to die. He might have. I didn't come across that today. Okay. I just know I about the heads on sticks and put them outside. I've seen like drawings and stuff and representations of that many a times. Yeah. So more than likely, he could have he could have been inspiration for Dracula. Okay. Uh, the character of Dracula was actually known known as um, originally as Count Wampure. Wamp Wampure. <laughs> I don't know how to okay, say it. Okay, yeah. yeah, that actually makes sense. I've heard a, it before, too. There's an old mythical creature called Upir, like U-P-I-R, I think. Well, this is W, U-P-I-R. and actually I spelled it wrong in my notes, so. It's probably a similar thing, because this is uh, from Eastern European folklore. A type of vampire or ghoul who feeds upon the blood and flesh of their children and family. Okay, so it might have it might have been rooted in the same thing for yeah, sure. Yeah, especially because they, they sound pretty similar. So... A little bit more too. Dracula was possibly actually inspired by a nightmare, possibly caused by bad seafood. Okay. 
biographer Harry Ludlam cites that Stoker himself said he he was compelled to write it after dreaming of, quote, a vampire king rising from the tomb after eating some dressed crab at dinner. Dressed crab. Dressed crab. Dressed in his finest. Dressed. Yeah. And he also started to write it just two years after the Jack the Ripper story started to make headlines. Okay. So there could have been a little bit of yeah from that too. The character may also be based on an old boss of his. For almost thirty years, Henry Irving was a uh, who was a well-known Shakespearean actor and owner of the Lyceum Theater in London. Uh-huh. He worked under him as a business manager, press agent, and secretary. Okay. So his days started. Yeah. His days started very early, ended very late, and there was a lot of ego in the room from both of them all the time. So oh, I bet. the charismatic kind of whatever might have come from that boss. It's yeah. speculated. Have you ever read Bram, have you ever read Bram Stoker's Dracula? I have not. I tr- like I started reading it, but just it was while I was in college. So like mm-hmm. it's a long book. I, the long longer book the book, now. the less likely I'll finish it. Yeah. Found. I wouldn't mind reading it, but I'm not gonna say it's high on my list. Yeah, same. I was thinking like I should finish that. I'm like one day mm-hmm. i should finish that i get why people read it i feel like just writing from like that time period can be a little like verbose for the sake of being verbose of mm-hmm. like dearest nathaniel i long for you deeply my dear friend exactly. i love you so much mm-hmm. it's just like girl you know what to like just they did not have an idea of editing it was just kind of like let's make things as long as possible yeah yeah just to go into the heart a little bit more yes 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 too. So there was a heart interred for a very short time. Okay. I'm going to give you a little history. Yes. Because you should probably know whose heart it was. Yeah. The structure was built in like 1392, I believe. Uh, I saw a couple, but I think 1392. And it wasn't officially a castle castle until 1920. And that is when in the 1920s or in 1920, Romania's Queen Marie was gifted the castle. Okay. So I have seen it listed as a castle before then too, but I think like an actual specific royal castle. She was the granddaughter of the actual queen and Romania's last queen consort. Okay. From 1920 to 34, she actually restored the property. It had been a little bit dilapidated as far as castles go. Yeah. And she turned it building that old, you know? Yeah. And she turned it into a proper, you know, like Royal residence and it became, I believe it was like a summer house of some sort. After that, after queen Marie's death, her daughter, princess Ileana inherited the castle. Queen Marie's final wish was for her heart to be taken to Balshik Castle, Castle near the Black Sea for internment. But it didn't go there immediately. It would actually wander about. As and hearts that's do. What it, yeah. For a while. And basically, war broke out. So the territory was just disheveled and it kept right. kind of changing hands. At first, her heart was actually moved to Prong Castle. Uh-huh. So it was there for a bit of time. And when communism took over the country, her heart was removed and it drifted for a time again. So it yeah. wandered again before being taken to Pelosor Castle. So it never actually made it to Balshik, which was her. I love that there's wish. just like this heart wandering around and just in a box, you know. Well, and it's weird because it's not the total remains. It was just the heart. Like right. we, we inter, you know, ashes. Yeah. And things like that now. But this was literally an organ. Like how very Egyptian of them. Right. But. I don't know. I don't know what's like there. Right. Um, and then just one more fun fact, because this is fun. There is a secret passage connecting the first and third floor. Ooh, which I love a secret passage. I know. And they did, when Queen Marie first got it, they didn't know about it. But when they were renovating the 57 rooms, 
in the early 1920s, one day renovators moved an old fireplace and there it was. I love that. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting. My my grandparents lived in Romania for a short time. It's a long oh, story. Yeah. Yeah. They did like this like retired person exchange program, basically, where like my grandfather put down what he knew into this program. And they were like he had done like computer stuff, early computer stuff. And Romania's government needed help with computer systems. So they got to live out there. And basically he would work, but they also got like basically free room and board. And then like the mayor's wife would take my grandmother on excursions, excursions and things of that nature. And like they would they met all these like really high up people. That's really cool. Yeah, it was I was like 10 or something, Uh but they did go to Dracula's castle. Love it. And I have a little I should have gotten it out. I have a little like wooden cross. Uh-huh. That I know they got at least from the gift shop there. So oh, that's cute. It's my yeah. cute little wooden cross thing. Um, it's got like little carvings in it and stuff. I don't know. I was just like, I didn't do it because of that. But then I was like, oh yeah, I have this weird random item I've had for decades of my life that is related to this two truths and a lie. So I'm gonna grab it. Hell yeah. Uh, and my sources were travelguard.com. HowLifeUnfolds.com and AdventureTransylvania.com. Nice. Mm-hmm. Now I have to work on work Transylvania on my accent. Transylvania accent. I want to suck your blood. I want to <laughs> suck your blood. I used to have this little like Dracula ever, doll that used to say that when you pushed it. Oh, that's fun. Just say it a couple times and laugh. I love that. Right. <laughs> that brings us. That Two. wraps us like a nice piece of clothing okay. you bought at a Hudson's mm-hmm. when they used to wrap clothing. I don't know. We tried. Mm-hmm. But if you want to find us on our social media, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Detroit Strange, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address, DetroitStrange at gmail.com. If you have any Hudson stories, send us an email. We'll read them. We would love that, actually. Yeah. Somebody out there has a Hudson memory and we want to hear it. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people have Hudson memories. Yeah. And if you want to support the show, you can head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. That would be wonderful. Yeah. We also have Patreon. You can sign up there. Yeah. We've got a Threadless shop with some merch, 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 merch. Merch, merch, merch. And. Until next time. Until next time. Stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was recorded by Detroit's own Sax and Violence.